WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. The game is up for grabs in the fourth quarter. Tampa Bay is mounting a furious comeback. The Steelers are up three, but they have to punt. So Darius Hayward Bay gives Tampa 15 yards because he's just got to run his big yapper at the referee. Unsportsmanlike conduct. That's Darius Hayward Bay, the number six wide receiver, number seven, way down the depth chart. Darius Hayward Bay, the first round bust. Darius Hayward Bay, the special team specialist, except he messed that up too by taking that flag. A bum like that can't ever give away 15 yards, let alone at that stage of the game. But it's a general malaise with the Steelers. 12 penalties in week one at Cleveland. 12 penalties in week two versus Kansas City. 13 penalties last night at Tampa Bay. The Steelers are the NFL's most penalized team in terms of flags and yardage. Now, you might win once in a while taking all those flags, but you will never, ever win enough. So, hey, Darius Hayward Bay and those 37 penalties in three games and the corresponding lack of focus, guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Count by the name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815 for all your plumbing, heating, and cooling needs. I would cut DHB. He's only on the roster to be a special team specialist. When he Fs up on special teams like that, why the heck are you keeping him? And in a tumultuous time where the distractions and chaos are so obviously trickling down to have a tangible effect on the team's performance with all these penalties, I think that's not 100% of why, not even 50% of why, but it's a percentage of why to be sure. I cut Hayward Bay. If you want to get their attention, you shoot a hostage. I would cut Hayward Bay. Right now with the Steelers, you could do anything you want if you're a player. Anything you want. And it's just one big happy family. Win or lose, we stick together except they don't win enough. The underachieving continues. If you're happy about 1-1-1, one, one, and one, you shouldn't be. Keep in mind that their point differential is minus 2. They're about as mediocre as can be. They're as 500 as can be. And if they keep playing like this, they're going nowhere. All they did last night was beat a team projected to finish last in its division by three points after blowing a 20-point lead. That's all they did. It was necessary, but I don't think you should box up DVDs of the game because they'll move like hotcakes. It was, well, like I said earlier, the Steelers needed a win in the worst way, and that's pretty much what they got.
The penalties are way overboard. I mean way overboard. The Steelers took a penalty on the opening kickoff, for God's sakes. Jordan Dangerfield. Ten yards conceded on the opening kickoff. Holding. A disciplined team in a funk doesn't take a flag on the opening kickoff. They look at that as setting a tone for wising up. The Steelers aren't a disciplined team in a funk. They are an undisciplined team. And you can't tell me that doesn't trickle down from all the shenanigans and distractions. Even Ben threw his helmet last night when A.B. wasn't looking on a route. But Ben apologized right after the game. That's the difference between those two. A.B.'s quit on routes this year. He's run bad routes this year. Maybe if he showed up at meetings. I'll tell you one thing I'm rooting for. I know there's a perception out there I don't like Juju. And I don't like the dancing. I don't like the Fortnite. I don't like football not being a top priority, which it just isn't with him. Although he is playing very well. But I'm rooting for the guy. A, I got him in Fantasy League, as you heard. The Sheets Fantasy League. I finished 22nd this week out of over 2,000 entrants. You can try to beat me, but you won't. Enter at 1059thex.com. I'm rooting for Juju because I want him to outstat A.B. every week. And I'll be sitting there, eating popcorn, waiting for A.B. to explode. Waiting for A.B. to kick Juju through the barbershop window. Waiting for Zabisco to turn on Bruno, baby. It really is fun to think about. Let's talk to Virgil in the Hill District. Virgil, you're on with Double M. What up, Big Sexy? What up, man? Two things. So, and you've always talked about this over the last three years, how many close games the Steelers have won and how at some point that's going to come back to bite them. Well, the people that say the penalties aren't an issue, that's the problem. When your defense is as bad as they are, they let a team back in the game, and then you have penalties like that. Look, you already saw it against the Browns. That was a close game last year. That's a coin flip that they win. This year they didn't win it. So all those things are going to add up. My second point real quick is how bad is the awareness level of the defensive backs that when the ball's in the air and they're face guarding someone, they don't think to turn around. I mean, to me that seems really, really obvious. What, what say you? I think the defensive backs are just terrible, except for Joe Hayden. I think Joe Hayden's pretty good. Not what he was, but pretty good and a glue guy. I think Mike Hilton's very good, and he hurt his elbow, and Tomlin says he's going to play against Baltimore, but we'll, we'll see about that. You're always optimistic at the Mike Tomlin press conference when it comes to injury. Uh, I think Artie Burns stinks. I think Cody Sensiball has sucked his whole career. I think Cam Sutton ain't what they hope he was going to be. I think Sean Davis stinks. I think Morgan Burnett's always hurt and is disappointed when he has played. I think their defensive backfield is just a stink sandwich. And and the only difference between why this team can win nine and ten games, very, very simply, is Ben Roethlisberger. And you can cry about him holding on the ball too long, but if they had anyone else but him, or they had a they had a younger quarterback, this team would have so many you see the warts already, but th- this would be a, a three or four win team and, and those people that do not appreciate what they see and what they saw last night and what they're going to see until he retires. They just don't know what it's going to be like when he's gone. Ben's their best player. He's their most important player. 
He won the game last night. He is the power and the glory. And you're right. Without him, I, I'm not saying a three or four win team. Without Ben, they're like a six or seven win team this year. And maybe not even that, given the situation at quarterback uh, beyond Ben. But that's okay because the next year's draft, they can draft another quarterback. Just keep drafting quarterbacks. Don't worry about the absolute paucity of good linebackers. Just keep drafting more quarterbacks. When Ben made that throw across his body to Juju in the fourth quarter, he's in that crowd. I'm thinking, get rid of it. Throw it away. Then I'm thinking, look, just go down. Don't fumble the ball. Then I'm thinking, what's he doing? And then he whips his arm across his body, and I'm like, oh, my God. Only one quarterback in the league could do that. And a caller earlier said he thought Aaron Rodgers could make that throw. I think Aaron Rodgers could make that throw. I don't think he gets out of the crowd of would-be tacklers like Ben did. Let's go to Daryl in Beaver County. Daryl, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. What up? Uh, penalty, penalties are penalties. Uh, sometimes you can blame the refs. But those three clowns in the backfield that didn't tackle uh, the receiver when he fell down, that's, that's, that's inexcusable. That's just stupidity. Yeah. I mean, I think all their uh, fundamentals are lacking, don't you? Yeah. Can't can't cover, can't tackle. It's a terrible defense, and it it got some things done last night via the four takeaways. However, like that Bud Dupree takeaway, Fitz Magic turned Fitz tragic. He just threw it right to him. Oh, they were gifts. They uh, when Bud Dupree gets a pick six, you should retire immediately. The referee should have stepped in and stopped the fight. Bud Dupree pick six. If I were Fitz Magic, I would have said they still have Bud Dupree. Where's he been? Let's talk to Chris in the car. Chris, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Thanks for the call. What up? What's up? Hey, I just have a question. Get your opinion on what you think they should do with Boswell. Well, what can they do? They signed him to a fairly lucrative contract for a kicker. It's only been three games, but yeah, he has been terrible. Uh, you're not going to be able to trade him. Nobody trades for a kicker, especially one who's struggling like Chris Boswell. Yeah. you got to ride it out. But but there are people saying there's no way they can cut him because of the dead cap money. If he sucks till yeah. till midseason, I don't see how you can't cut him. Right. I mean, last year, if it wouldn't have been for him, they would have been 6-10 and 10 or something. You know, I mean, Yeah, but what has he done year, for me but... lately? And he hasn't done much for oh. anybody lately. Okay, we got Mark on hold. We'll get them in a minute. At the bottom of the hour, we got Jeremy Fowler. He covers the Steelers for ESPN.com. This is, and I'm feeling it today, this is the best sports talk show in the history of Pittsburgh. It has been for 22 years, and it will be as long as I want it to be. I'm Mark Madden, 10590X. Double M onto X. I was impressed by James Conner last night. I think everybody was. Every time they mentioned his name on Monday Night Football, the phrase cancer survivor was shoehorned in. I think that's mandatory. I think that's an FCC regulation that every cancer survivor must be referred to as such on every mention. Le'Veon Bell's not a cancer survivor, but he is a cancer. So there's some irony there. James Conner isn't as good as Bell, but maybe he's good enough. 
His fourth quarter performance, running downhill, it put the result to bed. Connor competes. Usually, Bell gets hurt. And now that Bell is showing a profound desire to get as much money as possible for playing as little football as possible, don't you wonder if a lot of times when he was hurt, if he was just in the tank? I know when he blew out his knee, when Burfecht hit him, that was legit, obviously. But that New England game, the AFC Championship two years ago, when he thought he might go free agent before he got franchised for the first time? Do you think now that was maybe a minor injury that he could have played through but didn't because he was looking out for his potential free agency? I didn't think that then. I absolutely think that now. Uh, The Steelers are hardly out of the woods after beating a pretty bad Tampa team last night. You got all the penalties, you got the kicking problems, you got blowing the lead in the second half. It was a very necessary win, but uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. And the rest of the week, we're going to talk about this Baltimore game because in Pittsburgh, because the Steelers have pulled some great escapes. Like when Ben won his first Super Bowl, the Steelers like had to what win out in the regular season. I think win four regular season games, then they won three playoff games in a row on the road, and then won the Super Bowl. You know, that that is really beating the odds, but this team ain't that team. We tend to think the Steelers can come back from any deficit because they have in the past, and this dates even back to the Bradshaw days, the Chuck Knoll era, but I don't think this team going to do that. And if this team drops to 1-2-1, and one, and Baltimore jumps to 3-1. and one. And that gives Baltimore the head-to-head win. The conference win. The division win. The win at Pittsburgh? Nah. You do not want that to happen. You just don't. 4 one 2 3 3 39 Let's go to Kevin and Braddock. Kevin, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, what's up? What's up? So I was wondering if you saw the Flyers mascot. Yeah, gritty. Rhymes with pretty. But he's not. He looks like an uglier Scott Hartnell. And I think he took a a tumble on ice making his debut last night at Philadelphia. Yeah. But, uh, but that's what mascots do. They they take pratfalls for our enjoyment. Just wanted to hear your best insult. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any insult that beats them not having won a Stanley Cup since 1975. I think having a Muppet-looking, ugly mascot that looks like Claude Giroux nailed Scott Hartnell, and that's the result, I just don't think anything beats them not having won a cup since 1975. And by the way, there is nothing wrong with man-on-man love. But it cannot produce uh, children, and if it did, it would look like Gritty, the new Flyers mascot. 412-333. 9939 is the number to call. I expected more debate, more talk about the roughing the quarterback penalties that pervade the league, and there were four called last night. 
they want to protect the quarterback. What about that? Don't you understand? Richard Sherman was bitching because he said they don't care about the rest of us getting hurt. They don't. Nobody cares. Richard Sherman will retire. And a year later, everyone will have forgotten he ever played in the league. Guys just have inflated opinions of themselves. If the NFL is about history, its history is written primarily by the quarterback position. So again, if they want to protect the quarterback, what about that don't you understand? Now, have they gone overboard in that pursuit? Yes, they have. And if you uh, go to my webpage at the X website, there's a very funny video done by Bleacher Report, which normally sucks out loud. This is the first time. How long has Bleacher Report been around? They're tied into TBS, I think. They've been around like 10, 12 years. This is the very first time in that period I've cited anything they've done. But it's a very funny video, how to guide on sacking the quarterback in today's NFL. It really is quite funny. You know what I can't wait for? I couldn't go to any Penguin exhibition games this past weekend because I was running the uh, Penguins Deck Hockey Challenge, the youth tournament I do for charity every year. I should have read a list of the winners on, on the air. Do I remember the winners? Here's the A division winners. Cadet, which is 13 to 5th time, the Brookline Savs. Beaver, which is 10 till 12. The Cranberry Eagles. And Penguin, which was 7 to 9. Pitt United. I remembered. But congratulations to all the teams. Everybody had a lot of fun playing. But uh, I couldn't go to the Penguins exhibitions, but I'm going tomorrow night, my first one of the year, and I can't wait. Let's go to Frank in Bethel Park. Frank, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. I just want to congratulate you and thank you for the charity you did with the hockey. I definitely appreciate that. And it, oh, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I mostly enjoy doing it. Good. Uh, that, that's great. Um, my question to you is, um, again, being a Pittsburgh, you know, long life, you know, the, the Pittsburgh fans seem to be fair-weather fans. We win, we're great, we lose, we suck. No, no, I, I can I can give you a timetable and, and tell me if you agree. Okay. When the Steelers lose, let's say they lose on Sunday, go by the normal week, right? Okay. If they lose, they suck. They're never going to win a thing. They should fire Tomlin. They should get rid of Ben and move on to Dobbs. <laughs> and, and all is just gloom and doom. By yeah, Friday... By Friday, the Steelers fans talked themselves into believing the Steelers are unbeatable, and they're going to win out, and they're going to win the division, and they're going to get home field, a bye, and they will win the Super Bowl. It goes from one extreme to the other in the course of five days. Up next, we're going to be talking to Jeremy Fowler, covers the Steelers for ESPN. You know what we should have talked more about today? Maybe we will tomorrow. How bad Jason Witten is in the booth on Monday Night Football. Uh, Here's a quote from him. Direct quote on Monday Night Football last night. Hey, ba-baba. Wubba-weeba-goba-dooba. Jeremy Fowler next, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, love the show. Double M, big fan, big fan. He's a game changer. He's a guy that makes a big difference. Ooh, that's a good one. Joining me now, it's a pleasure to welcome back to the program. He covers the Steelers in the NFL for ESPN.com. It's Jeremy Fowler. Uh, Jeremy, the Steelers beat Tampa last night, 
But is it premature to say they're back on track? That was a pretty narrow victory, wasn't it? Yeah, it is premature, Mark. I mean, you look at the offense. I mean, they just played the two worst defenses in the league statistically, Tampa Bay and Kansas City. So, you know, the offense is high. The offense has created an identity for itself. It's got about seven guys that can get the ball. It's not all about A.B. and Ben right now. He's spreading the ball around well. So those are positive. And, you know, the, the defense at least played to its identity, right? It's, it's not going to hold teams to 50 yards a game. But it can get sacks. It can get turnovers. That's what it did all last year. That's why it stayed effective, even though it was bleeding in the secondary a lot of games. So it's ugly when they don't get those two things done, but last night they did. No, you're, you're right on the money, although I had the sinking feeling if that game's five minutes longer that, that Tampa wins because Pittsburgh and that defense started to have big issues in the second half. Yeah, they did. It was looking bleak there, but they got the three and out, and then the Steelers were moving the ball down the field. So it, that would have been interesting. I think they would have at least, well, I, w- I would say they would get a field goal, but I, I don't know. That's a sure bet right now. But I think they would have at least scored on that last drive they had, make it interesting. Yeah, they killed the game on the last Tampa possession and on their last possession, so full credit for that. Now, how about Vance McDonald's stiff arm on that 75-yard touchdown, Jeremy? Uh, was that a wake-up call for the Steelers? Well, they needed some life. I mean, I think they were they were down 28 to nothing in first quarters this season up to that point. And then if you go back to the Jacksonville game last year, that was another 14-0 to deficit in the first quarter, so just really flat every game. And so they just needed something positive to happen. And it was kind of shocking after the game, talking to McDonald of just uh, how blunt he was about the moment. He's like, I just wanted to punish him. I was looking for the guy's temple, and I was going to hit it as hard as I could. He just He's sort of a throwback, love contact type of tight end. And, and you know, he gives them another dimension with, with his athleticism. He can match up with speedy linebackers, and he can do that. Well, more of that, please, to be sure, at least until they legislated out of the game for safety's sake. Now, Ben was pretty good, wasn't he? And Jeremy, on the road, no less. That's about time for number seven. Yeah, it was. he had three touchdowns by the half, and that was his first three-touchdown game on the road since week 12 of 2016. I mean, you've seen a lot of those games where it's, you know, one touchdown, maybe one interception, maybe a decent yardage, pushing 300, but not like it is at Heinz Field where he can get those 450-yard games, get it going. But this felt like a home game for him. I don't know if they figured out like the uh, the cadence or when they run their no huddle offense or just the rhythm of the game or maybe just the Bucks weren't all that great. But but Roethlisberger was I mean he he was near flawless in that first half. He was pretty unbelievable. The best road game I've seen from him uh, in a, really in the last few years. And so he's and yeah he said it himself. He's not forcing the ball to AB. It's like AB had nine targets and it was still. Uh, that wasn't glaring at all. It wasn't like A.B. needed the ball more, even though he's going to have that game eventually where it goes off. But he was just throwing the ball to seven or eight different guys, and, and everybody was comfortable. We're talking to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com here on the Mark Madden Show. Uh, James Conner isn't as good as Bell. I mean, he's just not. But he seems a good fit with that Steeler offense, perhaps, and he sure got it done in the fourth quarter, didn't he? Yeah, those two runs, 27 yards and 9 yards in, in uh, late in that fourth, they needed that big time. And really they had get, gotten nothing on the run over the last seven quarters dating back to the Kansas City game. And so, you know, Roethlisberger put it on himself to, to pass the ball well uh, and not turn it over, and he's done that the last two games. But they, you, you got to keep defenses honest. And, you know, with, with Connor, you just don't know if he can 
have those bell type of games where you say, okay, we are going to set the tempo and give you the ball 30 times and get it done. You know, he did great against Cleveland and did some of that. Uh, bell had that, has that presence about him. We don't know if Connor will eventually work into that, but as a pass catcher, he's better than I thought. Um, he's on pace, I think, for 80 catches. You know, he looks really comfortable catching the ball, finding the flat spots there and, and, and being available. And so that, that's been a nice development that, you know, maybe he really didn't do much of at Pitt as much as he is now, but, but he's worked into that nicely. Do you think the Steelers have moved on from Le'Veon Bell? And, and how's that going to play out? I think they moved on. I think the marriage is pretty much over. You know, you look at, I mean, Bell's gone dark. He's not, you know, that nobody's really talked to him much, or at least he's keeping his circle really, really tight right now, not on social media as much as he usually is, but you've seen some of the videos. Um, you know, he's, he's, at, he's having release parties. He doesn't really look like a guy who's ready to play football right now. And even if he gets himself ready by week 11, which is when he needs to sign in time to play at all this year, on that franchise tag. So if he doesn't sign by that week 11, he can't play. Um, you know, who knows the dynamic of the team? It, it's who knows uh, how they're playing. I mean, I'd like to think they would welcome an all-pro at any time, but, um, you know, things change, and, and, you know, the identity of the offense can change, and I don't know how he would really fit at that point. He's talented enough to make himself fit. Uh, but to me, it seems pretty clear that he's either holding out the, the whole year to just get to March, hoping that the team doesn't franchise tag him in the offseason again, or that there's some trade that works out. But then even then, if he gets traded, he still has to sign that tender to get traded and has to play games for a new team before a new deal can commence by February or March. So it's just so complicated. He, he's just in such a weird spot um, until something pops, and right now nothing has. Well, Jeremy, I don't think he's coming in at all. I think he's conning that the Steelers won't want to go through this mess again next year, and we'll just just cut him. And furthermore, if he comes in uh, at week eleven, batting out of shape like we see in these videos, that could be an even more toxic situation than if he didn't come in. Yeah, that that would be a whole other situation because you know Mike Tomlin, and I don't think he's just saying this is lip service. He said from the beginning, it's it's a two step process. Le'Veon's got to show up one, and when he does, we'll evaluate assess his conditioning and that will be a big part of it are you ready to play and if not how long do you need to be a contributor and so maybe he comes in and still needs a few more weeks and you're looking at week 13 week 14 and uh yeah it, it just feels like both sides have moved on right now unless um unless he comes fairly soon you know i just I, even if it's a week 11 thing to come and, and get the paychecks um you know, I don't. I just don't know how that would shake out logistically. Now you touched on this before, Jeremy. But why are Antonio Brown's stats down? Uh, Juju has much better numbers after three games. Well, it's yeah. Really, it's coming down to Brown still got forty-two targets, so it's not like Ben's not looking at him. But this game in particular, it seemed like he wasn't forcing the ball to Brown, and that Brown's still commanding those double teams. I mean, especially early in the year, teams are designed to try to stop his big plays in particular. You know, his biggest gain is 27 yards this year. And so Smith-Schuster uh, Smith is getting matched up on really a number two cornerback, either in the slot or on the outside. And when these defenses already aren't very good, you know, he should be able to win those matchups. And to his credit, he's winning them very consistently. But uh, I, I do think if he gets maybe some double-team help because of what he's done the first three games, that opens things up for Brown. 
then you have some serious balance going on in Brown to have one of his signature games. So, you know, I don't think the ability uh, has gone away at all at age 30. I mean, I, you know, I watched him all camp. He looks as explosive as ever. But you did see late in that game, third down play, I want to say five, four, you know, four or five minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter, Roethlisberger threw it toward the sideline deep. Brown looked like he kept going. It just looked like a miscommunication. They've had a few of those this year where they're just not getting the big plays in sync. You know, those sideline routes, uh, you know, they've run those hundreds of times really in their sleep, those deep outs and things like that. I'm, I haven't seen as many of those, and that's something I'd, I'd like to get to, you know, maybe a little more clarity on because those are, those are plays that they've done, you know, for, recycled over time hundreds of times. Jeremy, the Steelers took 13 penalties. That's a league-high 37 after three games. A few of them last night were really, really dumb. And that problem shows no signs of stopping, does it? No, I want to say they're pushing 40 penalties through three games. Yeah, 37 to be exact. 37, yeah. It's it's way over any other team. I mean, the the disparity is is pretty clear right now. So, um, you know, I think one area that really worries Tomlin, too, is is special teams, you know, they've had a few of those, um, you know, a guy like Darius Hayward Bay, who's probably the best special teams player pound for pound, when he's getting two penalties like that, then, you know, there might be, it might be a microcosm of a bigger issue that needs to be fixed here pretty quickly and tightened up. Uh, you know, the defense, you'll take some of those penalties when guys are playing hard, although there's still just some of those mental miscues, you know, Sean Davis, uh, who had a, an active game, plays really hard, but then you go and push the guy on the sideline get a penalty like that where you just – those are easy to avoid. And so I think that, you know, that when Tomlin says he wants them to play cleaner, that's what he means. Well, I always hear from, from Steeler apologists that all the turmoil and distraction doesn't affect them on the field. But I look at all those penalties, and I can't help but wonder about the trickle-down. Yeah, it's possible. And that's stuff like that's hard to quantify, right? I mean, you, oh, correct. You, you, you talk to guys and, and – whether it's team leaders or younger players, and just try to gauge the pulse of things. And, and they do seem like a very measured locker room, to, to, you know, despite how the sky is always falling uh, on the outside. Um, and so, you, you know, you try to get to the root of it a little bit. Uh, it really seemed like there were maybe, despite the Bell situation and the AB situation this year, it almost seemed like there were more issues last year because of that lock, the uh, Week 3 National Anthem deal was very divisive. Like, that was tangibly divisive for at least a week. Uh, coupled with the Gatorade cooler kicking by AB, and it just, it's it sort of for two weeks there snowballed pretty ugly. This has been a little different. I haven't, you know, it, it's more just, you know, Brown had his incident. They all decided not to show up, so it, it sort of is what it is. And, uh, you know, I mean, these players swear by Mike Tomlin. I mean, every guy you talk to in that locker room, they swear by him. So, um, you know, it's, it's, they're giving him the benefit of the doubt that, that over time the team always peaks at some point uh, during the year. Chris Boswell got a pretty good contract, and now he's not kicking very well. How can the Steelers address that? Well, they can't. I mean, that's the thing. Well, they can only address it in-house by just trying to encourage him. I mean, that's, that's clearly the approach that Tom is taking, supporting him publicly both last night, well, last, uh, this morning, early this morning after the game, and then today at his press conference saying Boswell is our guy. You know, they signed him to a four-year deal worth nearly $20 million. You can't get out of that cap hit right now. It would just, it would be a colossal waste of money. Uh, and I don't think they want to. You know, they still think he's better than the alternatives. I mean, he had a hell of a two and a half year stretch. And so they're figuring, yeah, he had, he had the one field goal last night where I was watching it from the press box from my vantage point. It looked like he kicked it really confidently. Um, but then his next kick looked shaky. So it's just a matter of getting his consistency down 
um, and, and getting him hot again. And, and finally, Jeremy, uh, Baltimore visits Pittsburgh Sunday night. The Ravens are two and one. Uh, that game has some ramifications, doesn't it? I, I I think if you're the Steelers trying to climb the ladder after a, a relatively bad start, you don't want to lose a home game to a team you might have to battle with for the division title. Yeah, especially right now, what are you technically tied with the Browns for, for last place in the AFC North? Um, and so, you know, I know it's early, but these these seasons can can slip away sometimes if there are teams in your division that are much improved. I think the Ravens and the Bengals are exactly that, and, and to a lesser extent, the Browns. And so, you know, it's not going to be one of those seasons where you can win 11 games, but you happen to benefit from your down division, which they kind of had that luxury the last two or three years. And, you know, the Bengals are what they are, and they're, they're going to be unpredictable. But, but the Ravens do look like a different team, and maybe they figured out their identity on offense, figured out that receiving core, a little bit more stabilized it, um, and then the defense still has its playmakers. And so, I, I you know, if, if there is another shootout in Heinz Field like there was last year, I think the Ravens will be a little more equipped than they were a year ago. Jeremy, great stuff. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I hope we talk again soon. Anytime, Mark. Thanks, man. That's Jeremy Fowler. He covers the Steelers and the National Football League for ESPN.com. Great analysis from Jeremy. Now it's time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412-333-WXDX and ask Mark anything. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Good day, Mr. Madden. Good day. Hey, Mark. I want a sugar daddy. Double M, love hang. About all at once. The X at 105.9. Time now to ask Mark anything. 412-333-9939 is brought to you by Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. It's the city's best seafood and chapas, so be sure to check out Chapino in the Strip. And try the Super Genius Burger. It is indeed awesome. Let's go to uh, Mark in Georgia. Mark, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, I've been listening to you for a long time, and I uh, never hear you talk about uh, the great one of the greatest, Pink Floyd. Are you a big Pink Floyd fan? Uh, I respect their body of work, and I used to like to listen to Pink Floyd in high school when I was high. <laughs> but uh, I just I don't think they're in a class with the other groups I like. I, I think they're a cut or two below. But, you know, that's what's great about music. Everybody likes what they like. Nobody's right or wrong, but... They're just not one of my favorites. Let's go to Seth in Butler. Seth, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark. Uh, in your opinion, uh, who do you think, what female vocalist has the best voice? Oh, that's a good question. Do you mean current or do you mean throughout history? Oh, all, all time. You know who was really good? Let's see if you remember this name. I really like Yvonne Elliman. Uh, she played Mary Magdalene in Jesus Christ Superstar, and she sang backup on a lot of Eric Clapton's work, on a lot of classic rock work from the 70s. I really was a big fan of Yvonne Elliman. I, I can't deny the work that Ann Wilson put in with heart, but in terms of the pure voice, I'm going to go with Yvonne Elliman, even though I bet most people listening have no idea who she is. Let's go to Doug in Steubenville. Doug, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how are you doing today? Terrific, Doug. How are you? Good. Hey, I have a quick question. You always uh, let us know about your great vast wealth. 
Were you a contributor this year to the DBE Children's? Uh, uh, no, no, I was not. I contributed to uh, a GoFundMe for a close friend of mine. I contributed four hundred dollars uh, to a friend of mine whose daughter is battling brain cancer, and I just ran a, a tournament for the Penguins Foundation uh, this weekend to benefit the Penguins' charitable causes. Is that good enough for you? No, it's not for me, but I think that's very good, Mark. And I do it's not good. That. That's not enough charitable work by me, huh? You'd have done more, huh? No, we always do a uh, Make a Wish Foundation, but I. Think well, great! You wonderful. have your charities. I have mine. That's all I ask, Mark. Yeah. Thank see you. you later. Let's go to to. Uh, I can't even. What's this guy's name? Flighton. Flighton in Evansburg. You're on. You're on with Double M. Ask Mark anything. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, in your opinion, who is the best punter in NFL history? Uh, is this like Pat playing another joke? No, I'm serious. I'm going to say Bobby Walden from the Steelers Bobby Super Bowl Walden. teams. Goodbye. How could you say anybody but Ray Guy? He's the only punter in the Hall of Fame. They finally did put him in the Hall of Fame, didn't they? Let's go to Brian in the car. Brian, you're on with Mark. Mark, hi. Yeah, I was just wondering if you're going to see Zepparella. Is that like a female Led Zeppelin group? Yes. You're not thinking of uh, Les Zeppelin, are you? No. Where, the, where is Zepparella playing? They are going to be at, um, uh, I forget the name of the place now. Yeah, uh, I saw Led Zeppelin. I'm, I really wasn't that impressed. And there's a lot of good Zeppelin tribute acts out there. I just, uh, I just didn't. Uh, you know, we're, maybe I'll go see Zeppelin. I'm not planning on it right now, though. Out on time for change, and off to see Randy Bachman. I've been told I've not seen anything yet. I've been promised something that I'm never going to forget. But, but, baby. 1059X.